Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. Welcome to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan, and we have our host, Frank Selby, on the line with us. And first of all, I would like to say that Frank, not only is he uh, an accomplished, but actually probably internationally known uh, fly fishing guide and trainer. And he also has a shop in Newport Beach with him, his and her fly shop. Her, of course, is his wife. And what they do, they specialize in handmade custom flies, plus all the gear that you can ever want. And even if you don't live in Southern California, uh, he'll ship anywhere. So, again, if you're going to Belize or Mexico or wherever it is and you need specialized flies, he knows what you want and he'll make it handmade for you. So, anyway, uh, Frank, welcome to uh, Fish on Talk Radio. Well, I'm always here, don't you know that? Yeah, I know. I can always count on you. I appreciate you just that. don't hear me much. That's true. Oh, I, uh, so you'll see me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the Fred Hall Show? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I think we're Okay, gonna... I'll try to make it up. I'm really busy that week. i got to do the tanks. Yeah. And, well, that's uh, right. You're demonstrating fly fishing at the Hall Show. Yeah, the I, I do the bass tank and the saltwater tank. Yeah. Uh, Frank, let me mention something right now. Um, we've got a trip coming up to Alaska in July. And with the probably half a million or a million people out there listening to us, uh, we're getting very little response. We've got two, I think, uh, that want to go, and we've only got two rooms left now. But uh, you need to get in touch with us and just send me an email. My name is John, and you send it to, can you remember three words? Fish Talk Radio. So John at fishtalkradio.com. Let me know you're interested, and I'll even send you something out of our treasure chest just for contact, contacting us. And but, the uh, people that go on that trip are so fun. Oh, I went great, last year and trip. loved it. Great trip. Anyway, and it's cheapest you're going to find. $2,000 for four days fishing, five nights. You're not going to touch that anywhere. So give us a call or um, go to the website, fishtalkradio.com. And uh, get in touch with us. Give me a call. Send me an email. And we'll get you fixed up. Because it's uh, time is short, but we've got to lock it up. Okay, Frank, we're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. So be right there. The Soft Science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft Science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin fishing shoes and boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. 
If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. With a long pedigree, the Snowbee brand today offers the very best equipment modern technology can provide. Started in Europe, Snowbee is now providing quality fly fishing gear in the USA. Waders, clothing, rods, reels, fly lines, bags, and innovative new accessories. Enjoy your sport and leisure time more than ever. The affordable value of Snowbee makes it available to everyone. Go to snowbee-usa.com. Have you noticed the changes in Google lately? Did anybody line you out? You can't fake it anymore. They know who said it first, who said it best, who said it the most, who is the most popular, and that just happens to be me since the late 80s, which means that I can put up a page, a post, or a website, optimize it properly, spread it around to 22 million people, and put you on top of your results pages for your chosen searches basically overnight. WhiteMountainBusiness.com Don't want to wait that long? Already have a website that you thought was optimized and doesn't rank anywhere? I can fix that too. Maybe you don't want to wait. Maybe you just want to call me. 928-228-9228 That's 928-228-9228. I've done it for literally thousands, and I can do it for you. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and this is Fish Hunt Talk Radio. And this is going to be so much fun today. First of all, we have Frank Selby, our host with us. And he has uh, his and her fly shop in uh, Southern California where he can make anything for anybody. And he's already been there, done that, so he knows exactly what flies you need. He'll custom make them and send them to you. You don't have to go into the store, but if you get a chance to, you'd like to. But our special guest is Scott Layseth, who is... You know, I don't, I don't know if there's a category, Scott, that you would belong to, but whatever it is, you're the top of the field. Uh, uh, you know, I, I cook stuff. Yeah. The only reason that, that I'm anywhere near the top is that I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Well, Scott specializes in um, recipes and cooking, um, things that you don't buy at the grocery store. Uh, whether it's fishing, hunting, whatever it is, he knows how fishing. to do it and what to do with it. And if you do go to the Fred Hall Show, he gives a demonstration and gives out free food of some of his recipes. So if you get a chance well, to do that. And, and at the Fred Hall Show, that's how I keep people away because I, I feed them. <laughs> so if, if you have you to sure get do. up every five or ten minutes to eat something, you're less likely to nod off. There you go. But no, you are incredible. And the other thing, Scott, is your recipes are so simple. Uh, and so good, you know, it's not like you put it in a pot and wait for six hours. Uh, you no. Got great stuff. It, it, and if, if you've got a recipe that's too complicated, nobody's going to do it anyway. Uh, I, so, 
you know, my basic goal is when you hear people complain about how they don't like to eat fish because it's fishy or game because it's gamey, I let them know that it's normally not the fish or the game's fault. Somebody's done something wrong with it. Well, and it's, you know, very, very simple rules. For instance, the, the tip that I give people that makes the biggest impact on their fish is when they do bring fish home, um, once it's thawed, once you thaw it, or, or if you want to keep it fresh, keep it wrapped in two-ply paper towels. Oh, really? Instead of let it, letting it float around in a, in a Tupperware container of fish juice or oh. a Ziploc bag, keep it wrapped in two-ply paper towels and it wicks the fish juice out. Oh. And if the paper towels get wet, you rewrap it again, and it's going to last twice as long. And that way, when you take your fish and you put it into a skillet, you don't have all these fish juices geeshing out. And you... Well, I, I'm scared. That is, it is the most delicious fish well, every time I sneak you, over. I always yeah. like to have your fish. Well, Scott, I, I've, <laughs> I, Scott, I've always said if it smells like fish, don't eat it. Right, right. People, I've had people say, man, I've had this fish in my refrigerator all week long, and it's really starting to smell. What should I do with it? Throw it what away. do you think? Yeah. Throw it away. Yeah. Yeah, use it for catfish bait. There you go. There you go. But, and also, you mentioned simplicity. Um, cooking is one of my hobbies, and I like, you know, simple is best. And uh, I, there's an analogy where uh, a master painter, you know, will create a masterpiece, but he has no one to stop, because when he starts adding a little bit more to it, it ruins it. And I think the same right. thing is true with, with cooking. It's, you know, you do the basic, simple stuff, and when you think you're going to make it better, you're not. Well, and you want your fish to taste like fish, and you want your game to taste like game. What happens, people, when they mishandle their fish and their game... They try to go to these extraordinary lengths to cover up the unpleasant flavor because they haven't handled it properly. Where when you take a piece of, when you take tuna out of the water and you cut a piece of that tuna loin out and taste it, it's not fishy at all. No. But if you leave it floating around in warm water and you stick it in your refrigerator for a few days, and it's going to start to stink. Yeah. And then also, I don't know if you have any tips on, well, this time of the year, there's still a lot of uh, wing shooting. And, of course, it's hunting season, but a lot of part of the year is for, uh, uh, for deer and such. Um, do you have any quick tips on that? You know, it's, it's the same kind of deal. I, I, for, for cooking, um, the, the, the parts of the animal that do most of the work, I prefer to cook that low and slow, uh, low heat, take your time with it. Um, the better parts of an animal, I cook fast and hot. I, I'm the cooking editor for Ducks Unlimited magazine and have been for many, many years. I don't, I never cook a whole duck mm -hmm. because different parts of the duck cook differently. The mm -hmm. breasts, I cook fast and hot, cook a medium rare. A, a medium rare duck leg isn't edible. Right. And if you've got, if you've got a piece of venison meat that's tougher, then you want to go low and slow or mm -hmm. do the sous vide method and mm -hmm. do something other than just take, if, if you have a deer steak that's tough at medium rare, you got to do something different with it because it's just not meant to be cooked medium rare. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so, um, uh, Scott, when uh, we were talking about beef, which is something completely different, but uh, 
you know, I, you go to the grocery store and you go, oh, that looks good. It's nice bright red. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's roadkill. <laughs> because right. it was walking around two days ago, and if it's bright red, it probably doesn't have enough marbling in it. So what I normally do is if I find something on sale, I'll put it in the refrigerator for a week at least, maybe two weeks. Um, but can you do that with game? You can, and it's and what a lot of people don't do is they don't properly age their game. I had um, a viewer call from Alabama who I had hunted with several years ago, and he said, "Scott, I've eaten your food. I I had a deer loin, and I did everything exactly the way you do it. I didn't overcook it. It was 130, 135 degrees in the center, but it was really, really tough, and it was a loin from a relatively young deer." And mm-hmm. I said, "Well, when did you shoot it?" He said, I shot it yesterday. <laughs> I said, well, that's what happened. Take that same piece of meat, take the rest of that animal, and put it on a rack in your garage refrigerator, because I know you have one, with a pan underneath. Don't cover it up and leave it in there for two weeks. I said, there's going to be a couple of little bits you're going to have to trim off, but what you're going to do is you're going to finally age that piece of meat, mm-hmm. and it's going to be infinitely more tender than the one you just had. Oh, yeah, the end you you shot you'll have a chance to work on on it and soften it up. We don't have much time, but we were talking uh, about coming on the show, and you mentioned something about Hawaii. Could you spend about one or two minutes on that? Just got back from the Big Island. I have two TV shows on Sportsman Channel. One is called The Sporting Chef, and that's on first and second quarter. Dead Meat is third and fourth oh, quarter. Oh, God. Dead Meat, we go after the less pursued animal. We've done pythons, iguana, nutria, this big swamp rat. But anyway, we're on the Big Island of Hawaii. They have wild, feral cattle there. And so I shot a cow last week um, on the Big Island. And But the coolest thing about it is they have these pigs there, and normally um, wild pigs are a little tough and stringy, especially the old male animals. We shot a 180-pound boar that was the most delicious, creamiest, and I, I found out what happened. Every day this guy on his property puts out a big pile of macadamia nuts. <laughs> and so these pigs go out and they just go nuts. They're even shelled. He goes to the macadamia nut processing place, gets them off the floor, loads them in the back of his pickup truck, and this big group of hogs come out, wild pigs come out every day at about 4 o'clock and eat the macadamia nuts. I'm telling you, we saved the fat on this wild pig, which is really, really unusual, and we put it into the grind where we were making sausage. The meat itself was light pink. It was so, so unlike any 180-pound wild boar I've ever cooked. Um, so all you really need to do is get a truckload of macadamia nuts, <laughs> and and that Start meat's only going to cost yeah. you two or three hundred dollars a pound. There by you the time go. You there you go. That's an awesome story. I had no idea that they had uh, uh, feral cows and pigs in, in Hawaii, but I had it, chances uh, well, of getting money. Yeah. And the cows have been a problem since the 1700s. They actually built lava rock walls to keep the cows away from the domestic uh, breeding <laughs> cattle because okay. the, the wild cows get in there and they compromise the domestic cow, oh. the quality of the domestic cow. Well, okay, well, so, we're, um, we're, we're running out of time, Scott, but what a fantastic uh, story. Uh, I know you're busy this time of the year, but we'd love to bring you back on and hear more about this. But the uh, best thing to do is go to sportingchef.com, correct? Sportingchef.com. Check it out. on The show's out on Sportsman Channel. 
Uh, I have a blog for Winchester. I write for Ducks Unlimited magazine. Okay. I'm out there. But All right. Thank you, Scott. Uh, SportingChef.com. Thank you, Scott. We appreciate that. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos Domo. Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. The road stretches for miles in front of you, and with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway, so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. With a long pedigree, the Snowbee brand today offers the very best equipment modern technology can provide. Started in Europe, Snowbee is now providing quality fly fishing gear in the USA. Waders, clothing, rods, reels, fly lines, bags, and innovative new accessories. Enjoy your sport and leisure time more than ever. The affordable value of Snowbee makes it available to everyone. Go to snowbee-usa.com. A full-surface fly shop, his and her fly fishing, offers FFI-certified international fly fishing instructor and guide service with Frank Selby. Listen to Frank as host of FishHuntTalkRadio.com or listen live Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Radio Channel 211. Custom flies are handmade to to your order in-house in Newport Beach. Fishing in Mexico, Belize, Florida, or the Rockies, Frank and the staff will deliver exactly what you need. Flies and gear. Google his and her fly fishing. back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, as a matter of fact, and we have our host, Frank Selby, who is quite an accomplished uh, um, fly angler. And we have someone who else is a fly angler that um, maybe does things a little bit different than what some other people do. Uh, Jeff Burke, could you... uh, Evan, where, where is that from? Evan, would you yeah. mind introducing yourself and give us an idea of what, what you do and where you are? Yeah, my name's Evan Burke, and I'm the uh, pro desk manager, uh, marketing manager, and uh, do a little bit of uh, of our product design here at uh, Ray Jeff Sports. Mm-hmm. Ray Jeff, now is there a, a uh, 
Uh, the website with that now it's Ray Jeff. It's R A J E F F. Yeah, so we have three brands underneath uh, the Ray Jeff uh, company. That's Echo Fly Fishings. You might see Echo Fly Rods, Echo Fly Reels, uh, Airflow Fly Lines. We distribute and Airlock Strike Indicators. We distribute. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, gosh, I got so many questions, but we want to stay on track because I'm really curious about uh, mm-hmm. um, the the new line you just mentioned. But uh, let's talk about um, uh, Frank. I want to let you uh, uh, continue. Spay lines. Yes. We wanted to talk a little bit about spay lines, and you know, every time that I am not sure, I call you. So I would like you to explain the different depths of what you want to use your spay lines, which ones sure. uh, heads you want to use during different water uh, right. cables. Yeah, and, and it's, it's you know the, the average angler listening may not know what spay fishing is, so I can at least give a quick explanation there, uh, yeah. and you can always look it up. But you know it, it involves rods that are typically longer, anywhere from 11 to 13 feet, uh, sometimes 14, 15 feet on some of the older styles, and it's a style of two-hand casting where the, the fly line is, is placed in the water instead, of, and you use the water to load the rod versus keeping the line airborne to make your cast. So it's a very efficient way to uh, swing. You know, you, you cast across the stream, let the stream uh, push the line down and make an arc, and then the line ends up straight below you, and then you it's a very efficient way of picking that line back up and throwing it back out at a 45 degree angle without having to well the, the other thing is a lot of times in the stream there's trees around exactly yeah so you you know with traditional fly fishing uh and you know anybody can imagine this you pick the line up you throw it behind you you need about as much room behind you as you need in front of you so mm-hmm. if you've got trees overhead or you know 10 20 feet behind you that creates a problem for traditional fly angling and mm-hmm. that's kind of how that style was popularized up on the northern Puget Sound rivers in Washington State, like the Skagit River, Skykomish River, Stillaguamish, uh, those rivers have pretty steep banks, a lot of trees, and uh, those that style of fishing was popularized there, um, kind of resurrected from an old Scottish style of fly angling, and they uh, kind of created their own, I don't think I'd be able to hear of like Skagit style uh, spay fishing, and that's that's kind of what was born there, kind of like in the 1980s, 1990s is when that really uh, took off there. Now, is this something that is uh, has been more popular in Europe? Uh, it, yes, it, it was. I would say that's where it was born. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily got more or less popular there. The Scandinavians have their own style, and you know, this is something we could talk for hours on. So I'm not going to get too much into it. But you know, the, the Scottish like really long rods, really long lines. The Scandinavians like shorter rods, shorter lines, and you know, there's pluses and minuses and uses for both styles and uh you know out here in the pacific northwest we developed the skagit style which is more uh if, you know if you think of the scandy style as like a ferrari the uh the skagit style is more of like a an 18 wheeler full of beer you know, it's, okay. just, uh, it's, a, it's a really it's a really heavy duty uh not very graceful comparatively speaking um it's a way to to pick up and throw a heavy sink tip uh sometimes heavy flies and it's not necessarily about distance and throwing it far, but it's more about uh, efficiently picking it up and, and switching directions and throwing a really heavy payload. Mostly that sink tip is most of your payload and, and delivering it, you know, 50, 60 feet without having mm-hmm. to work too hard. And that would be what, like a woolly bug or something? or uh, uh, On the small end of things, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your smaller 
like woolly buggers. Uh, the more popular style, and I'm just going to kind of stick with the Skagit tradition here. Uh, the Skagit style, you got like uh, the uh, intruder flies, um, which kind of you can imagine like a like almost like a double squid looking thing stacked on top of itself. You got two big plumes of feathers, and oftentimes uh, uh, like a dumbbell eye. So they can be pretty big. Uh, I tend to to gear more towards smaller sizes. Uh, personally, they're a little easier to cast and. I think of these winter steelhead as like a cat. You know, you dangle a, a toy in front of a cat; it's going to swat at it for mm-hmm. no real reason other than that toy is there. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the way I see steelhead. So, and so, and, just, and, the, and you'd use the, like a forward-weighted uh, sinking line. Uh, so, Skagit style lines are really thick, floating head typically. Oh, floating head. Uh, but okay. that, but it's only designed to be used with a uh, sink tip. Mm-hmm. So you need a sink tip on on the front of that, and that's uh, something you can swap out. So you are looking to get down with the Skagit style. Um, these fish are usually suspended about a foot above the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, give or take, and you're looking to get down to their level and get that fly in front of their mm-hmm. face. And that, that often requires now, I'm not familiar with Skagit style. What is that? And that's what I've been uh, kind of explaining from the beginning. The Skagit style is a, is a style of two-hand spay casting that was popularized and kind of developed up here in the Northwest. Um, like I said uh, before, you know, we can talk for hours on the different types of spay fishing, and you can't really talk about one without, uh, you know, kind of going off on a tangent. So the, the Skagit style specifically is for throwing heavy sink tips, heavy mm-hmm. flies, uh, oh, and doing okay. it efficiently. So it's not the fly itself, it's the style of throwing it. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's more of, like I said, that, that Skagit style is that 18-wheeler full of beer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a heavy-duty, uh, really um, thick line. If you think of your traditional uh, fly line there, uh, and like quadruple the thickness of it, um, that's what we're talking about. Usually like a 20 to 25-foot fly line with an added running line. Um, mm. And it's that, just that 25-foot uh, line that you have out the rod tip plus your your sink. Uh, a spay rod normally you use two hands instead of one, correct? Yep, absolutely. And can you and the length of these rods are what? Anywhere from eleven foot to thirteen to mm-hmm. fourteen feet on the high end. Um, lately, you know, at tw- uh, ten, twenty, thirty years ago, you'd see a lot of like fifteen and sixteen foot rods. But over time, the lines and uh, the rods have gotten shorter because, honestly, they're just easier to cast, mm-hmm. and we don't really need that, you know, the same length of lines or, or casts that the Scottish um, traditionally did. And that's well, like is there any advantage rod. to that other than the, the more traditional fly line? Um, as far as why you would, uh, why would use, use a, it, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, you know, like I was saying earlier, the uh, the traditional fly line, um, it doesn't quite have the, the payload carrying capacity. You're not going to be able to throw as big as sink tips or flies efficiently. And so uh, a, a two-hand line, the schedule lines specifically, have a lot more mass, so they're going to have a lot more momentum to turn over those heavy sink tips that, re- mm-hmm. that are required to get down to the level of the fish in a current. And, uh, they have and they're a lot line. easier to cast. Yeah. So, yeah, if you think of... Uh, the amount of effort put in. So if you got a heavy sink tip and a big fly on an eight-weight single-hand fly rod, you know, you got to pick it up, kind of flop it around a little bit to switch the directions, you know, because the line's going to pull your line, or the river's going to pull your line down stream, so you want to get it cast back out. So uh, is that just like mending, or...? No, so um, let's say your line is directly below you in the stream and it's mm-hmm. time to make a new cast. If you get a single-hand rod, you kind of have to flip it out in front of you at a 45-degree angle to get it back out there and then pick it back up, false cast it four or five times, and get it back out there with a spay mm-hmm. rod. 
the way the, uh, the cast works is you um, kind of flop the rod over, get the line close to you, kind, kind of like a roll cast, and, and cast it straight out, and it takes yeah. a, a second or two and half the effort. Was that be kind of like a roll cast? Yeah, it's basically, if you if you know what a roll cast is in fly fishing, it's that with a little more horsepower behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to do half the power. You use your left yeah. hand mm-hmm. to do the cast, so you yeah. you can so do it all day. Older, excuse the French, all you old guys out there like me, but you can cast all day where you would take a, a nine foot mm-hmm. rod, and you would be tired. Exactly. There, you're not half as tired. It's I would say ninety percent of the reason guys are, are, are you know originally switched over to this is for efficiency. Mm-hmm. It's just a much easier, um, less tiring, like he said, way to to get these heavy sink tip rigs. Because like I said, when you're fishing and and moving water that's five, six, seven feet deep, and those fish are suspended on the bottom. You know, you need to get your fly and think mm-hmm. they're then lined down well, to their Frank, level. Frank we, got less, Frank, we got less than two minutes. Why don't you go ahead and... Okay, go I need to really hit him really quick. Yeah. On the spay lines, explain the, the depth of the different uh, think tips and floating. Uh, most I think most of air flows are 25 feet, aren't they? Right, yeah. That, so that you got a... A standard skagit's going to be right around 25 feet. That's for uh, full-size spay rods. You got shorter skagits uh, that are for um, uh, what we call switch rods that are like 11-foot rods. And then you got the Scandi styles that are for faster casting, lighter sink tips, more summer work when you're throwing uh, flies that you're not looking to sink down. So those don't really throw much for sink tips. And then you have the more traditional longer spay lines that are for much longer casts, um, take a lot more work to cast, and that's a whole other topic but uh those are also for not not really throwing sink tips so uh, but and you, then, usually then you with, hmm? usually you have three different uh tips for fishing 80 percent of the water right yeah so you got like your 10 foot of, let's call it t14 it's a tungsten sink tip T14 uh, is kind of your go-to for heavy-duty sinking. Um, they go up to T18. The higher the number, the faster it sinks. And so uh, usually I run all my tips at the same length, all 10 foot, and I'll just go to a lighter material, mm-hmm. um, you know, down to a T7 okay. uh, if I don't need to, if it's slower. Okay, we're, we're just about coming up to the end of it. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure uh, that, Evan, uh, if you haven't written this down yet, uh, Ray Jeff, R-A-J-E-F-F. Yes, so sir. It's, RayJeffSports.com. Yeah, and you can, anybody can is welcome to email me and ask questions because, like right. I said, this if this is new, this is a huge topic that's real hard to hit on. There you go. You can't do it in yeah. twelve minutes. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. You, thank you. I, I got to real quick say something. Uh, we got we to go. I always, I always appreciate it. All right, thank yeah. you. All right, you're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio, and get in touch with this. Go to the website, and listen to the show as many times as you want. A few years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Alaskan RV Butler, guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler, like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV, view the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife, or fish for the big one, all while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouth-watering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. A full-service fly shop, His and Her Fly Fishing, offers FFI-certified international fly fishing instructor and guide service with Frank Selby. Listen to Frank as host of FishHuntTalkRadio.com or listen live Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Sirius XM Radio Channel 211. Custom flies are handmade to, to your order in-house in Newport Beach. Fishing in Mexico, Belize, Florida, or the Rockies, Frank and the staff will deliver exactly what you need. Flies and gear. Google His and Her Fly Fishing. Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan and our host, Frank Selby. And we also have Nate Bennett, uh, who lives up in Jackson Hole area. And sounds like a very, very interesting, uh, very talented guy. He's got, uh, I guess he might be a renaissance man. And, and I think that people, the reason you go fishing is not just to catch fish. It's just that when you're in an area that you fish, it's a beautiful area, and it gives people a chance to kind of um, relax your mind a little bit and get rid of, get rid of some stress. Yeah. But uh, I think Nate, he has multiple ways of doing that. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about, but he's also a painter, uh, apparently a musician, and an angler. I don't know if you'd call him a Renaissance man or just somebody that's got it tuned in. I do my best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's. Uh, you're you're in Jackson Hole. We not should be talking about cutthroat trout. But what I'd like to do is have you first talk a little bit about your painting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been doing a lot of uh, watercolor trout uh, paintings the past few years. Um, you know, I spent a number of years doing a weekly editorial newspaper cartoon. 
and uh, and doing some other you know freelance stuff. But lately, you know, it's kind of one of those things people say, uh, paint what you know. So spend a lot of time around fish, and the colors are just beautiful. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. Do you, do, you, do you have some in some of the stores around the square? No, Art I gallery. Just, I just, uh, you know, I occasionally sell them to like fishing clients and stuff via my website, and I'll I do a show, you know, I'll do a show every once in a while, but, um, you know, kind of focus more on the the fishing than the art, but but it's fun, you know, mm-hmm. it gives me something okay. to do in the winter time. Yeah, there you go. So, and but- one thing you did not do, and I'd like you to get it out right now. What's your website? Yeah, it's tetonflyfishing.com. Thank you. So and how's the fishing been this winter? Uh, you know, it's been okay. I've I've had some folks out here and there. Um, winter fishing up here, it just depends a lot on what the weather's doing. You know, if it yeah. gets too cold, it's not really worth going. Um, but we had some days where it was in the 30s and some midges were hatching and caught some cutthroat wow. on dry flies, which is cool. fun, you know. Man, you wouldn't think this time of the year that would happen. Right. Yeah, it's just, you know, some days it works out and some days not so much, but we have a good time. (laughs) Hey, Frank. Yeah. Did you know that Evan also uh, is a musician? He may not be a um, concert pianist, but he he likes to build guitars. (laughs) Yeah, I've been been dabbling with that, and, uh, you know, I like playing the guitar and the ukulele and stuff. Hey, Evan, you don't have to have one in your lap, do you? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, uh, Kevin, uh, do they still have the Appler auction there? What time is that if people want to come up and do that and go fishing with you? What time do they do the auction on the Applers? Yeah, that's in May. I think it's around Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, May's kind of a tough time to fish up here. I mean, there's certainly some places that when I get folks interested or, you know, they contact me, they want to fish. Mm-hmm. There's a couple places we can go, but, you know, typically it's runoff. And yeah, I was going to say the water would be moving pretty quick then, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. there's some yeah. little streams that run around, right around Jackson Hole. You can fish almost year-round. Not the one that runs through Jackson Hole. They won't let you fish that anymore. <laughs> Right, right. No, but and there's a few little lakes and stuff, and so there's there's definitely places to get out, catch a few. There's fish. a lot of things to do in Jackson Hole. There is, yeah. It's kind of a if you're into the outdoors, uh, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. And also, you do guided. Well, you're a guide, so you do float yeah. trips, overnight trips, walk-in trips. Yeah, I. Uh, so I have my own little outfitting business. Just just me one man show and uh i try to keep it small and personal and um yeah you know take people floating on the snake and the green and the salt rivers um do some some wade fishing stuff up in yellowstone park um you know anything from like the rivers people are familiar with like the fire hole and the madison but also i love fishing some of the small kind of unnamed tributaries and stuff um and then we have a, a fishing cabin um, over in the Dubois area, a little northeast of Jackson, and uh, do kind of all-inclusive trips there for folks, you know, and can fish some pretty cool off-the-beaten-path 
you know, just wild mm -hmm. trout water. Mm -hmm. Like the Givens? Uh, up in Yellowstone, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. Fall River, down uh -huh. to a halfway, mm -hmm. the Fall River. Yeah, yep. Yep, and then down about another 30 miles, you can go into Cay Falls in right. the Yellowstone right. National Park. Well, I thought your Jackson Hole was farther away than that. How far are you from Yellowstone? Uh, to the south entrance, it's about an hour. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's some, some waters around there to fish. Um, you know, to get to the fire hole, it's about a two-hour drive. Um, but but people never really seem to mind the drive because you're going through Teton Park and then up through Yellowstone. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so good way to see some stuff and also do some fishing. And you're, uh, what is it, obviously you're fishing trout. Is it rainbow, mm -hmm. cutthroat, brown, or what is it you're probably looking for? Yeah, it kind of depends. You know, here in the Jackson Valley, like the snake and its tributaries, it's it's pretty much all native cutthroat trout mm. um, and, and whitefish. And then, you know, you get up into Yellowstone, some of those waters it, uh, have browns, rainbows, brook trout, same with, same with uh, some of the more kind of remote waters. So it just sort of depends on the, on the water, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'd say a lot of cutthroat trout fishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little grayling once in a while in Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can, you know, within a few hours of here, you could catch um, pretty much all the trout species. Well, I have to ask, do you also ski? Yeah, I'm not a big skier. I uh, I used to ski a pretty good amount, and then I came to the realization I don't really care that much. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's getting expensive now. If, yeah, if someone stole my skis, I, I wouldn't replace them. Uh, so I do more in the winter, you know, either fishing or mm -hmm. eating, tying flies, you know, some mm -hmm. kind of or stuff. Or shoveling, shoveling your driveway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of shoveling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have the, they still do the elk rides out into the game reserve? And take they do, off. yeah, yeah, and we actually we had some friends visiting the other weekend, and and we took them out there. We hadn't done that in a while, my wife and I, and uh, we had a great time. I yeah. mean, it was snowing, and you're out there with you know hundreds of elk, and wow, um, yeah, that's so a lot. I love that. That's why I brought it up. I have two friends live right at the edge of the elk refuge there in Jackson Hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, no, it's, it's, a, a if great, it's if it's a refuge, great. then I, I don't suppose you can harvest them. You know, it's funny yeah. they do do a limited hunt uh, on the refuge in the fall, um, and that I you know that just has to do with it's getting uh, dry. They figure out kind of their you know how many elk they think the area can sustain, and then they'll give. And I think a lot of the the permits they give are for archery and like. Mm -hmm. You know, muzzle loader, shotgun, mm -hmm. um, archery. You know, close range right. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, yeah, d does the uh, the uh, what I'm trying to think of the river, that little stream where they they oh, went to map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough place to fish. I got three in one day, and I thought I was world champion. Yeah, and that's uh, it's funny because it's a remarkable fishery, and I feel like over the years it's it's become kind of world famous. More and more people are fishing out there, um, but it's challenging. And yeah, twenty foot leaders. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of you know people say, oh, you got to wear you know 
camouflage and fish, you know, this and that. And I like going out in a Hawaiian shirt and fishing, you know, 4X tippet and you still catch fish on dry flies. So I don't know. But it's it's challenging, you know, and I tell folks when I take them fishing out there that if you catch a fish or two in a day, that's that's a good day out there. And chances are they're going to be, you know, trophy-sized cutthroat trout. Um, they are. much much more kind of hunting, stalking fish, mm-hmm. um, you know. So it's they're professors. <laughs> after two years yeah. old, they've become professors. I don't right. know what yeah. they become after that, man. They are really smart. Yeah, it's a it, it well, and it's a fun change of pace because usually, you know, a lot of the fishing out here is on freestone rivers and streams where you're fishing big attractor bugs to kind of likely spots and. Um, Whereas that, you know, you almost have to find a feeding fish and mm-hmm. and work it. So it's it's a nice change from kind of the norm. Oh, uh, we got to, we're just about out of time, but give us a real quick. Uh, uh, if you take somebody on a uh, a guide, uh, yeah, what would you normally do? What does it cost, and what do they get? Sure, I charge uh, five fifty for the day, and and that includes everything: fishing gear, flies, lunch, drinks, snacks. Um, pick them up at their hotel. Uh, usually, you know, sometime in the morning, depending on weather, but say you know seven or eight, and uh, you know, fish till about four or so, and then get them back to their hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's overnight trips or more but uh yeah just try to try to take people out and show them a good time mm-hmm. and but it's, them like it's one on one or you take two or three people uh, yeah. i got one more question real quick I, is the parrot lodge still there okay. in jackson it hall is. It uh, is. i yeah. love that place that makes all you right. so comfortable all right well yeah. it looks like we are out of time but uh, let me mention one more time uh, it, it's, you know, like Grand Tetons, T-E-T-O-N, tetonflyfishing.com. And then uh, check out his paintings, and, you know, you might be able to talk one out of them if you got enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> if, right. <laughs> and maybe they'll even build you a guitar. Okay, yeah. thank, thank you, Nate. I really appreciate you joining us today. You're listening oh, to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to the site and listen as many times as you want. The Soft Science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft Science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the Soft Science Fin fishing shoes and boots and the Fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip-resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. Used by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, Aftco makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says Aftco, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through Aftco. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for Aftco at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. Great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. 
Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. Have you noticed the changes in Google lately? Did anybody line you out? You can't fake it anymore. They know who said it first, who said it best, who said it the most, who is the most popular, and that just happens to be me since the late 80s, which means that I can put up a page, a post, or a website, optimize it properly, spread it around to 22 million people, and put you on top of your results pages for your chosen searches basically overnight. WhiteMountainBusiness.com Don't want to wait that long? Already have a website that you thought was optimized and doesn't rank anywhere? I can fix that too. Maybe you don't want to wait. Maybe you just want to call me. 928-228-9228. That's 928-228-9228. I've done it for literally thousands, and I can do it for you. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. This is John Hennigan, and we also have our host, Frank Selby. And we also, also have our good friend, uh, Steve Lynch, co-owner of ProCure. And Steve is, uh, we can only get him for a couple minutes anyway, because he's up in the country he's on his way to go elk hunting. But uh, uh, now, what kind of uh, fish bait do you use to attract elk, Steve? <laughs> Well, there, there is none for elk, but we do make uh, uh, black-tailed deer urine for, for really? deers. Uh, yeah, we make that for another gentleman, and so we do process uh, uh, a deer urine out of our factory. No way. Uh, yeah, we make a rotten buck and an estrus in the heat. Wow. So, and, <laughs> I, yes. I was kidding, but that's so, great. <laughs> How do you source that, Steve? Uh, well, we do not. They have it delivered to us. The gentleman we make it for has it delivered. Uh-huh. And I'm sure they have farms where they collect all the urine, uh-huh. you know, like where they're just uh, yeah. peeing in the troughs and oh. screening it there. Yeah, interesting, very interesting. But what you do is uh, you use scent uh, to uh, attract and to catch uh, fish. And there's, I don't know how many different uh, product lines you've had. I've seen at least, you know, uh, you know, 15 or 20. Well, we have about uh, 378 different items. Whoa. Well, so, yeah, from one part of the country to the next. Yeah, so no matter That's wherever you are in the world, and as we know, uh, scent is an important thing for a lot of fish. Because they, oh yes, it is. And I mean, they, you know, they can see different than we do. But you know, when you're fishing in, you know, 120, 200 feet of water, there's no light down there, and uh, this, you know, the fish tend to follow the scent. You know, I'm talking mainly about halibut. 
But, uh, Correct. And we also put UV in all of our products. Mm -hmm. And that what that does, it takes the light from the sky and transfers it down to your bait. Uh -huh. and, and they say in freshwater, UV uh, is effective up to about 160 feet. Whoa. And in salt water, up to about 210 feet. Whoa. Well, I know that fish... So not only can they see it, they can smell it as well. Yeah. I, I know that... Uh, uh, I remember heard, heard it, but fish can see something like 30 times better than a human uh, in the water because they're looking, you know, there's UV, there's different types of light than just the, the white light. And, uh, you know, they can see things that we can't see. That's what they say, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. But the scent... And, and it sure makes a difference. So mm -hmm. we, we think UV is good. It, it sure won't hurt you. You know, if you're fishing low, clear water, it's not going to help you. But there's no odor to it, so it sure won't hurt having mm -hmm. it in there. Mm -hmm. And the scent, uh, now, their olfactory senses, what, do they take it through their lateral lines, or do they breathe it in through their nose, or how do they, how do they sense it? And depending, on, depending on the species of fish... I mean, they do it all different ways, John. Uh, some some do it through the gill. Uh, some, you know, do, do the what you would call the nose, you know, the two holes mm -hmm. uh, up front. Uh, you know, they depending on the species, they they smell in different ways. Mm hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. All I know well, but, is that they eat it. I set the hook, and then we get to uh, fight them. Yeah. Well. All I know is that it works, and uh, you got a lot of stuff. You know, Procure is something that's been around where you you know you cure your own eggs, but you guys have gone way past that. And uh, I know you sent me some stuff for herring and things where you're going to go. I'm going to go up to Alaska and, and you just um, marinate it for overnight and then uh, uh, just put it on your hooks and it, and it works. I I know it works. I've seen it work. I've sure, that's for me. the minimum. That, that marinate for your anchovy or herring is a minimum of six hours. Uh huh. But you can leave it into it for up to three days. Wow. Well, it works. Uh, and what that does, it firms up the bait, locks the scales yep. in. Just that way, you know, you, when you hook them up, okay. you know, they will fish much longer. Right. Well, we got to go. I appreciate you coming on just for a couple of minutes, uh, Steve. And we'll get you back on maybe next week and give you some more time. You're listening to Fish Hunt Talk Radio. Go to the website. This is as many times you can. And get in touch with us. And go fishing with us in Alaska.